Detectives and Togas, Chapter 8, Handwriting. The boys were taken aback. It had not occurred to them that Rufus might not be the culprit after all. Swear, Musius demanded. I swear, Rufus repeated firmly, raising his right hand. Musius whirled around and fixed the others with suspicious eyes. What about the rest of you? he asked threateningly. It certainly wasn't me, Publius said angrily. I've told Caius often enough to his face that he's a dumbo. There was no need for me to write it on a wall. Perhaps one of Vincinius's slaves is responsible, Antonius suggested. Caius might have played some trick on him, like slipping nettles into his bed. To get even the slave wrote, Caius is a dumbo on the temple wall. What slave in Rome is crazy enough to desecrate a temple? Julius pointed out. We're the dumbbells, Julius said slowly, squinting rather anxiously at Rufus. Didn't Claudia tell us that Caius recognized Rufus's handwriting at once? That's a lie, Rufus protested. How can it be my handwriting if I didn't do it? Musius frowned. That Caius seemed to think he knows your handwriting well. Rufus gave a forced laugh. That's a good one. Caius is too dumb to recognize anybody's handwriting. He can hardly read yet. His friends did not laugh at his joke. They looked at him very seriously. This put an end to Rufus's humor. He fell silent and began thinking. At last he sighed with relief. I can prove that it is not my handwriting, he said triumphantly. How? Musius asked. Give me a writing tablet, Rufus said. All right, Caius is a dumbbell, and then you'll see right away that the scrawl on the temple could not have been written by me. This sounded simple enough, and the others agreed. Rufus took a stylus and tablet and prepared to scratch the words into the wax. But you must write just the way you always do, Julius warned him. And write it as big as you did last night in school, Musius directed. Rufus nodded. He sat hunched on his table bed, tilting his head to one side as he wrote. He kept running the tip of his tongue nervously over his lips. Having completed his sample of handwriting, he handed the wax tablet to Musius. There, that's how I write it, he said with self-assurance. The other boys crowded around Musius and peered at the tablet. Well, Rufus asked uneasily, why don't you say something? Hmm, Musius mumbled, rubbing his nose in embarrassment. It looks just like the writing on the wall of the temple, said Antonius, who had excellent memory. No, Flavius disagreed. It looks altogether different. To tell the truth, I no longer remember, Musius admitted. Neither do I, said Julius. We'll check up on that right away, Antonius said, snatching the tablet from Musius's hand. I'll run over to the temple and compare the two handwritings. Wait, I'll go with you, Publius said. Otherwise, you'll be telling us crazy stories when you get back. A good idea, Musius said, but be careful that nobody catches you near the temple, especially with that tablet in your hand. You can depend on that, Antonius said, and sped out the door, followed by Publius. An embarrassed silence fell in the little room. Rufius refused to look at his friends. He sat staring absently down at his toes, which were sticking out from under the blanket. After a while, he asked hesitantly, haven't any of you been to school today? By the gods, Musius explained, we almost forgot to tell you. Xantippus has forgiven you. Rufus looked up, scarcely daring to believe what he heard. He, he has forgiven me, he murmured. 
Then he doesn't intend to talk to my mother? No, Julia said. He only wanted to give you a good scare. Rufus sat numbed. If I had only known that, he whispered under his breath. But the others paid no attention. Flavia said, after the vacation, you can come back to school. You see, we're all on vacation, Julius explained, and then he launched into the story of the assault of Xantippus. But who could have attacked him, Rufus asked wonderingly when Julius finished. That's the mystery, Musius said, and the funny part of it is that nothing was stolen but a few silly mathematics books and pictures. He then went on to tell Rufus about Claudia and her father's threats. Rufus was shaken when he heard that the senator wanted to report him to the prefect of the city. But I didn't have anything to do with it, he stammered. If you really didn't, we'll go to the senator and tell him so, Julia said consolingly. He felt sorry for Rufus. All the boys liked Rufus. He was a good sport and always full of fun and good ideas for games. They heard Antonius and Publius returning, and even before he reached the door, Antonius called out, The handwriting is just the same. He came running in, wax tablet in hand. I was right. The writing on the wall looks exactly like the writing on this tablet. It's true, Publius second. I'll bet a gold piece against a single sesters that Rufus wrote it. On my word of honor, I didn't write it, Rufus cried out in anguish. You must have, Publius said. No, Rufus asserted at the top of his voice. Suddenly his eyes widened, and he said, as though he had found the answer and was frightened by it, my handwriting has been forged. What? How? Musius demanded. Somebody has copied my handwriting, Musius announced. But why? Flavius asked. So that people will think I did it, Rufus replied, staring into space with sadness, resignation, and fright in his eyes. Well, Julius murmured, who do you think could have copied your handwriting? Rufus hesitated for a moment, then he said softly, how should I know? We are wasting valuable time, Musius said angrily. You must run away. We have already planned where to hide you. No, I won't, Rufus declared hotly. If I run away, people will feel certain that I did it. My own father and mother would believe it. At this, Musius's patience gave out. You're crazy, he accused Rufus. Do you want to have your hands chopped off or be dumped into the Tiber? He instantly regretted these harsh words, for Rufus cried out in despair. You think I'm lying, but I really did not do it. Then he turned towards the wall and drew the blanket over his ears. The boys could hear his smothered sobbing. Julius tried to soothe him. We don't think you're lying, but it is very hard to copy anyone's handwriting. My father once told me that. The forger would have had to study your handwriting for a long time in order to learn how, to, how you wrote any letter. Rufus sat up with a jerk. The writing tablet, he cried out. The tablet I hung up on the classroom wall. Cagus is a dumbbell was written on that. The others did not understand what he was getting at. You're talking in riddles like an oracle, Publius said. Perhaps the person who broke in the school wanted to steal that tablet in order to copy my handwriting, Rufus said. But nothing was missing except some books and pictures, Julius pointed out. Rufus looked dismayed, but Antonius began to jump up with excitement. Hey, he exploded, the writing tablet was gone. Don't you remember? It was not hanging on the wall this morning. Their faces all brightened. We must go back to school at once, Musius said. If it was stolen, Rufus is right. That will prove once and for all that all his handwriting was forged. How so? Publius asked. How so? How so? 
Musius mocked his manner, because otherwise no burglar would bother to steal a writing tablet. You have something there, Publius admitted. Get dressed quickly and come with us, Musius told Rufus. Rufus looked embarrassed. No, I, uh, <coughs> I've caught a cold, he stammered, and he went into a coughing fit. On the whole, it will be better for him to keep out of sight, Julius said. All right, stay here, Musius said. We'll be back soon. The boys piled their school things in a corner and set out at once. As soon as they were gone, Rufus peered hastily under his bed. He sighed again with relief and leaned back against his pillow. All right, detectives, did you notice that Rufus did two mysterious things? Earlier in the chapter, he was surprised by what Xantippus had decided to do and then mumbled, if only I had known that. Then, once his friends leave, he checks under his bed and sighs with relief. Pretty suspicious, if you ask me. Xantippus was surprised when his pupils unexpectedly returned. He was sitting up in bed, reading, his right leg wrapped in wet cloths. In the apartment's tiny kitchen, a woman was busying herself with the cooking. Hearing the boys, she peered curiously around the corner of the room and then grinned cheerfully at them. Teacher sick, no school. Poor man, bad pains. Oh, oh, she rolled her eyes to express her sympathy, then returned to her pots and pans. Why have you come back? Xantippus asked crossly. Musius asked for Rufus's writing tablet. What tablet? Xantippus wanted to know. The one that has Caius is a dumbbell written on it. Xantippus was instantly suspicious. What do you want with it? he asked. Rufus would like to have it back so that he can erase it, Musius lied boldly. He's ashamed about it. The boys had decided on the way not to mention the desecration of the temple to their teacher, for fear that it would stir up his anger against Rufus all over again. So he's ashamed, is he? Xantippus said with satisfaction. About time. The tablet must be lying in the chest over there. Isn't it hanging on the classroom wall? Julius asked hypocritically. He only wanted to know why Xantippus had removed it. No, Xantippus said. I don't care to have such a thing on exhibit on the walls of my school. I put it away in the chest last night. You boys must have noticed it when you cleaned it up. The boys rushed to the chest and went through it from top to bottom, but the writing tablet was not there. It's gone, Musius reported, inwardly triumphant. Then you boys must have misplaced it, Xantippus scolded. That's what comes of your careless way of doing things. The boys searched all the shelves and finally went through the entire classroom, but the writing tablet could not be found. Back at Xantippus's bedside, Musius made his solemn announcement. The thief who was here last night stole Rufus's writing tablet. A strange thing to steal, Xantippus said vexedly. That tablet isn't worth a copper. The boys bid Xantippus goodbye, but as they were on the way out, Musius noticed something shiny lying under the wardrobe. He stooped and fished it out. Look what I found, he said. It was a short, wide gold chain with a flat disc of gold on one end, a hook at the other. Apparently, the hook had been forced open and bent upward. Musius brought it to Xantippus. Is this yours? he asked. No, Xantippus replied. For a while, he regarded the chain thoughtfully. Suddenly, he gave a short laugh. But I can tell you to whom it belongs. Who? the boys asked excitedly, half-guessing the answer. 
It belongs to the burglar, Xantippus said. Detectives and Togas, Chapter 7, The Newspaper I remember now how it happened, Xantippus continued. I tried to grip the burglar by the throat, but instead my hands closed on something metallic which came loose. That must have been the chain. Probably it was kicked under the wardrobe in our tussle. He examined the chain more closely. This is the type of chain which goes on the collar of a rain cloak as a sort of clasp. Look here. The disc was sewed onto the collar. A few threads of wool are still clinging to the holes. There was probably a second disc with an eye for the hook. When I tugged at the chain, the hook was bent straight and slipped out of the eye. The chain is very beautifully worked, by the way. What are those funny pictures? Antonius asked, rubbing his finger over the gold disc. Your hands need washing, Xantippus reproved him. Those marks engraved on the disc are hieroglyphs, Egyptian picture writing. Now all we need to do is find the owner of the chain and we'll have the burglar, Musius said hopefully. Ridiculous, Xantippus said. Rome has a population of half a million. A fine chance you have of finding the one cloak this chain belongs to. No, it's not much of a clue. Here, keep the chain. It's yours. Delighted, Musius thanked his teacher and dropped the chain into his pocket. The servant came in with a stack of damp cloths to apply to Xantippus's sore leg, and the boys were sent away. As they crossed the forum, they passed by the great sundial back of the orator's platform and saw that the third hour of the day had already begun. We ought to hurry, Julius said. Rufus must be terribly anxious for us to get back. Rufus can wait, Musius said. We must see Vincinius first. Why Vincinius? The others asked in surprise. To keep him from going to the prefect, Musius explained. We'll tell him that somebody forged Rufus's handwriting. But he knows we're Rufus's friends, and so he won't believe us, Publius objected. This remark had a dampening effect on the boy's spirits. Um, Musius murmured. I never thought of that. How about this? Julius proposed. We will take the writing tablet on which Rufus wrote for us this morning and have my father look it over and compare it with the writing on the temple. Since my father is a judge, he will be able to tell right off that the writing was forged and he can write a letter about it to Vincinius. How long will all that take? Musius asked. A couple of days, Julius said with a crestfallen air. That long? Musius exclaimed. My father's in Pompeii right now, Julius explained. He had to go down and preside over a gladi gladiatorial show he sponsored. We cannot wait that long, Musius said. Vincinius was once a judge himself, Flavius said. Perhaps he can compare the handwritings. A fine idea, Musius approved, and Flavius grinned proudly. Publius was sent off to obtain the writing tablet from Rufus, after which he would meet the others in front of Vincinius's house. Publius was the fastest runner among the boys. He had long, skinny legs and always came out first in races. Pleased with his assignment, he shot off like an arrow. In the meanwhile, the forum, empty a few hours ago, had become a bustling place, swarming with people who poured in from all the side streets. From the noise and buzz of talk, it might have been a chariot race at the Circus Maximus. Everywhere, there were groups of citizens discussing the affairs of the day, their togas billowing in the breeze. An especially large crowd stood in front of the massive building which housed the National Archives. Curious, the boys forced their way boldly to the front of this crowd, but they were disappointed. 
There was nothing to see except the daily newspaper, which had just been hung out by two of the censor's officials. The latest news had been written on it in neat handwriting, and the people were pressing forward eagerly to read. In the front row of the crowd stood several well-dressed slaves, the copyists of rich patricians who copied the news on wax tablets with astonishing speed. Back at home, their masters waited impatiently for the transcribed bulletins. Antonius, Flavius, and Julius wanted to go on. They had been hoping for something more sensational than the dull old newspaper. But Musius did not move and stared in fascination at the news. There's something about the temple of Minerva here, he whispered to the others. Where? Flavius asked. Not so loud, Musius shushed him. There, down near the middle. The writing was small, and it took Antonius, Julius, and Flavius a moment before they discovered the item. Then, with growing alarm, they read. Last night, the temple of Minerva on Esquiline, erected in honor of our emperor, was desecrated by the impudent hand of a shameless boy. Smeared with red paint on the eastern wall of the temple are the words, Caius is a dumbbell. This impious act will certainly arouse the indignation of all right-minded citizens of Rome. It is high time that the authorities took energetic measures to combat such delinquency among our modern youth. The temple faces the home of his honor, Senator Vinicius. In all likelihood, the insult is directed against the senator's son, Caius. Young Vin Vinicius is a pupil at the well-known Xanthos School. It seems evident that the guilty boy would be one of his fellow pupils with whom Caius may have quarreled. We hope that the senator will promptly question his son in order to discover the culprit and turn him over to the police at once. Public opinion will not rest until this young hooligan is behind bars. A respecter of the emperor. Wow. That was one strongly worded letter submitted to the Roman newspaper. How do you feel about it? Do you think the writer is correct in being so upset about the desecration of the temple? Or are they overreacting? Post on Google Classroom letting us know your opinions. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I owe you a bit of an apology for the sound quality of this week's recording of Detectives and Togas. Jamie and Auden both needed a lot of attention this week, and so you can hear a baby snoring in the background right now, and in some of the recordings you can hear Jamie calling out for me. I'm very sorry if this is distracting for you. I did the best that I could, though. I hope you all are safe and well, and I hope you all have a happy Easter with your family. I miss you all. Bye!